All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fuck, Nicks? What's happening? I'm Mark Marin. This is my podcast, WTF. Welcome to it. I imagine most of you have been here a while. Is that true? What are you doing? Your dishes? What are you doing? Your laundry? What are you doing? Walking outside, walking the dog, hiking up a hill on the bike. Are you on the bike? Are you on the treadmill? What are you doing? Are you in your car? Do people still drive places? What are you doing? Are you laying in bed just wondering if you're going to get out of it? What's happening? Are you at chemo? Are you at the doctor? Are you getting your stitches out? What is happening? No matter what it is, welcome. Welcome. I hope that you're making it through. I hope that you're plodding through another day. You know, how's it going? God damn it. Is it time to start baking? Is that what I need to do now? Is it time to open up a vegan bakery? There's a a, a server at the comedy store, Ansley, who makes vegan chocolate chip cookies. And she used to just bring them because it was a nice thing to do and she liked making them. And then uh, we were all eating them and they were great. And then someone got the big idea to offer her, you know, basically a baking job to make hundreds of these cookies and put them on the menu, cook them in the very limited but uh, working comedy store kitchen. So now, not so many for us regular people. Now they're all like two to a package and ready to sell. So I've been put in the position to steal fucking cookies. And no one wants to steal cookies. You kind of want to like, sort of like, I'll have, I'll have, oh, this is nice. There's cookies here. Not like, all right, sh- shut up. Don't anyone tell. I'm taking these cookies. But it's different than a child just eating, you know, at off times, sticking his hand in the jar or whatever that old, uh, that old thing was, the cookie jar. It's me kind of like taking cook. But they, you know what? They're better. They're better when you steal them. When you're not supposed to have them, which is probably always for me. Don't need the sugar, but when really when there's like when there's accounting involved, man, how fun is it to eat stolen shit? Am I right? Hey, right? Hey, who's on the show today? I'll tell you. <laughs> what is this tone? What is this tone emitting from my face? Felicia Michaels is here. She's a comic. Uh, she's also a photographer, and uh, but she and I go way back. She is a comedian that was at the comedy store when I was a door guy. She was there when I was out of my mind on drugs, running around sweating. She was there, never thought she liked me much, um, but she was there. And she was part of uh, the world that was the comedy store in the late 80s, like a deep part of it. But I, I never knew her that well. And then years went by, she was doing comedy, then years went by and she married uh, my manager. And then she became a photographer and did all these amazing photographs a lot of comedian photographs and she just kind of wasn't in the comedy racket. She was doing photographs and then she came back. Now she's back doing comedy. It was just one of those things. It's like, all right, let's, let's get on with it. Felicia, let's have this conversation that we've never had. Like we have been around each other for decades, but it's just one of these situations where really for a long time, I just assumed she wanted nothing to do with me. And it was very interesting to hear uh, her perception of me, which, uh, this is kind of this recurring thing that's going on, this perception of me from other people and this perception of me from myself. You know, like, how do I see myself? What do I think is real? What do other people see? Should I go with that? Should I go with me? Should I mix them up? Are, are some people way off? 
you know, and it's a very weird world we're living in where you have this AI situation and this chat thing where there is an easily manufactured uh, double of yourself available that will become more available. Something that, you know, is just thinking on its own. I don't think about it too much. I haven't got into the chat GP or whatever it's called. GT, I don't know what it's called. But somebody did. Somebody had it write a joke in a in my voice about a thing. And it wasn't good, but it knew what it was doing. Now, I'm not going to engage with that shit. I mean, I'm, I don't have personal boundaries. I, they're not good. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to enmesh with the machines any more than I have. I mean, it's bad enough that my machine that I hold every day and text with and talk into and get information from knows kind of my habits and knows kind of what I want and will kind of like feed it to me. I mean, that's about as much codependency or symbiosis with the mechanisms of technology that I want. You know, on this mic, I can hold on to myself and I can hold on to my chair. But man, when it comes to the brain, the brain is squishy and soft. And once something worms in there that's got more power than you, look out. It's going to infect it. It's going to take it over. It's going to change things around. I don't know if this is a warning or what. God damn it. You can still submit questions for next week's Ask Mark Anything episode for full Marin subscribers. Just go to the episode description and whatever app you're using right now and click on the question link. I'll answer them on next week's bonus episode. Also, if you want to come see me here in L.A., I'll be a Dynasty typewriter on Saturday, June 24th. Then at Largo on Sunday, July 1st. That's a music show. Uh, you can go to WTFPod.com slash tour for tickets. I took a guitar lesson yesterday. The guy I'm playing with in the band, Jason Roberts, you know, he's a guitar teacher uh, because he's a guitar player. Uh, and sometimes you got to teach. But he's going to he's shown me the he's shown me the stuff. I didn't know nothing. I know nothing. I've been I've been you know flying by the seat of my pants with the same fucking two scales my entire life as a guitar player. And I've been frustrated because I'm trying to wrench feeling out of, you know, five notes, which is possible. It's, it's possible to do that one or two notes, but maybe it'd be nice to be able to have a little versatility. So yesterday he taught me uh, all these different positions of the major, the minor, and the, the mixolydian. Is, is that what it is? A mixolydian scale? Is that what it's called? But that's the one. That's the noodling scale. I always wanted to have the, I want to be a mixolydian noodler. So uh, maybe, maybe that's going to happen. He told me all this stuff. And within an hour, I, I don't have, I don't remember any of it today. Zero. I guess that's where practice comes in. Am I right? Practice? Am I right? Let me ask you a question, honestly. Like when you take something to a potluck that you've cooked and you watch whether or not people eat it, and even if they do, if there's some left over, what is the proper thing to do? Do you take it home? I took mine home because I'm going to eat it. Is that wrong? You kind of want to eat it. You can only eat so much of it when you make it. But is it is it is it gauche or incorrect to be like, yeah, I'm going to take that with me because I made it. It's mine. It started out with me. It's going back with me, whatever's left, because I'm going to eat it. All right? Is that rude? Is it? I think I had some sort of uh, minor breakthrough. You know, I have a certain amount of anxiety, and I fuel it with coffee. It's anxiety, but I have a, a worried mind. I have a worried mind. Sometimes there are things to worry about and sometimes there, there, there are not. Uh, arguably, worrying does nothing. 
uh, unless you, it sort of propels you into action, whatever that action is. Now I'm no therapist and I don't even know what the fuck I'm talking about right now. But the point is, is that my brain festers. And I've talked about this before. I've done jokes about it in some form of another. I used to do an OCD joke about mild OCD that I had. Uh, and that joke, it was, you know, the, 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 one of the benefits of OCD is every time you go back to check the gas, every time that you find out that it's off, you get that same sense of relief. I don't know if that wears out or not. I imagine it does. And I imagine when you have self-awareness around that particular disorder, eventually it becomes very frustrating. But that idea has sort of come around with me again, because my brain, my imagination untethered is just a frequency of panic that causes anxiety, a panic that causes worry, a panic that, that causes catastrophic thinking in my mind. And I had this weird thing the other day where I was worried about something for a few hours, and then it came to pass that uh, I was completely wrong about it. Now, look, catastrophic thinking is its own thing. You know, like I've talked about that before, too, in my material. It's that if you think the worst, anything that happens that isn't that um, is better. That's one thing. But the actual feeling of panic and worry and then finding out that you were wrong or you had nothing to worry about is, is, is not just like, okay, it's great. That relief is great. And I tweeted something about it, uh, just about that, about if you're, uh, if, if you're a worrier, you might be addicted to relief. And some guy, I want to give him credit though. I don't know who it was said, isn't that what, you know, basically isn't that what all addiction is about is, you know, fle uh, fleeting relief is what I said. If you, if you are a worrier, you might be addicted to fleeting relief. And he said, isn't that what all addiction is? And yes, that was a good addition to uh, what I was working through. This basic premise of freaking out and then realizing in a moment that you have nothing to freak out about is like, it's like a, a speedball from the inside. Uh, you know, it, and it, I'm sure it fucks with your brain chemicals like anything else. And if your brain is wired like that, whether it's from your parents or whatever, where you're just kind of constantly at, you know, kind of operating from a place of dread and from a place of, of panic of unseen things or, or things that have happened or things that may happen. It's just the way your brain works. For me, it was like, well, I'm just a worrier. But then like the other day, I realized like, no, man, I want that speedball. I want that relief, that fleeting relief. Even if it just passes for a second, that momentary like, oh shit, thank God. Thank God. I've been doing it my whole life. And I used to just think I'm an anxious warrior, but now I think I'm just like anybody else, a fleeting relief addict. So then you got to ask yourself, do you, how much time you want to spend in this anxiety up in your fucking head, freaking out about something? Because that's your choice. Because what I said at the beginning of this thing, that worry doesn't lead anywhere. It's not, it's not proactive really in any way. On some level, what's done is done. And uh, all you can do is, is sort of own it or fix it or, or let it go. But the actual activity of worrying, I'm not sure if that does any good, uh, except, you know, offer you the possibility of that sweet, sweet relief. Right? All right, look, Felicia Michaels, uh, let me preface this conversation by, uh, I guess, we, we reference potluck at the comedy store. Potluck is basically the open mic at the comedy store, but everything else should be 
uh, self-explanatory. Uh, you can find out where Felicia is doing stand-up at FeliciaMichaels.net. You can also listen to her podcast, The Liars Club, which I've been on. And this is me catching up from back in the day uh, with Felicia Michaels. Yeah, I don't know what's wrong with me. I, I you know, I, I think less is wrong with me than used to be wrong with me, or I've God. learned how to live with it. Uh-huh. Better, yeah. But I'm okay. <clears throat> yeah. Are you sure? Are you sure? <laughs> yeah, okay. I've I've done okay. I've yeah. managed all right. Yes. I landed yes. on my feet. Yes. Yes. I mean, I you know you saw me. We met in compromised time. Yes, we did. <laughs> I know. Isn't it funny? It's really funny. It's really odd. Yeah. To me, um, because I don't know where did you? How did you get to L.A.? Um, when I was, uh, I had a couple different trips. Mm. Um, I was an army brat, so I came to visit my dad, uh, uh to go finish up high school in, uh, From where? uh, Colorado. Oh, you're in Colorado. I was in Colorado and, uh, I don't with know. With your mom? I, with my mother. I was married when I was, uh, just turned 18. Really? Yeah. You didn't know that about me? I don't know. I don't know a whole lot. Yeah. There I you mean, go. So you're married when you're eight. Like, I was married when I was eighteen. You grew 18. up in Colorado. Well, I was army brat. Yeah, so that so, means everywhere. Uh, a little bit everywhere. Mm. Mostly, uh, my mother was from Berlin. She uh, from Germany. From Germany. She had an accent. Uh, Full on accent. And my stepmother was from Berlin. I don't know what the fuck is wrong with my dad, but he likes wow. those German chicks. Did he meet her in Germany? Yes, when, when he, was, he was, stationed? was stationed. Yeah. So then I was actually born uh, in Fort Riley. Yeah, Kansas. 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 I was born on the day John F. Kennedy died. Wow. Yeah. And you know what's fucked up? My brother's birthday. So we're like a month apart. Yeah. My, like, br- my yeah. brother's birthday was on the day uh, Robert Kennedy died. Huh. June 6th. What do you make of it? <laughs> well, uh, one of my first jokes I ever wrote was, you know, Ted Kennedy wants my mom to get her tubes tied. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? <laughs> That's so stupid, but anyway. That's good. <laughs> so, wait, did you speak German in the house? Um, you know, my mother didn't really speak uh, a lot of German in the house. Sometimes yeah. I would hear my stepmother speak a little bit of German. And it's, what's funny is I hear my stepmother's accent. I don't hear, didn't hear my mother's accent ever growing up. Huh. But I would hear my stepmother's accent. So this is you your know. dad's second wife? Yes, my and, dad's second wife. But yeah. were, you, were they, like, I knew one German family up the street when I was growing up, when I was a really little kid. Uh-huh. And I just remember going to, to that guy's house and thinking it smelled funny. Right. Like, okay. like, but you know, I don't, I don't, but it's just because they like cook goulash or whatever sausage, <laughs> yeah. kraut. I don't, there you I, go. I don't know. It's very but, specific. Well, I mean, because I know they must, they were real full on Germans. There was yes. a whole German family, yes. so they were cooking things that I yeah. wouldn't have been. But everyone's house smells fucked up. Yeah. It's if it's true. not your house. Yeah. Your house smells good with all them cats. I know. I'm surprised. Uh, and I hope someone will tell me when it doesn't because I'm not going to notice. Yeah. I try to keep the incense going, keep the air going. And they don't pee on shit. Yeah. I'm lucky with the. These cats. Yeah, yeah. All right, so you got these two ja- German step, uh, German right, mother, so German. My, okay, so you're not in Kansas. You moved to Colorado. Yes, because uh, my father did two tours in Vietnam. Really? Is he still around? No, no. My father uh, was exposed to Agent Orange. So was my girlfriend's dad. Yeah, and he was. Uh, he became blind because of it. Oh my God! Yeah, uh, later in life, and they tracked it back to Agent Orange exposure. And uh, it kind of led to he when he passed away. It kind of led to that because he was in a pretty bad accident. Oh, um, but uh, he did two tours. My, and he, her father got cancer because of it. 
Oh, wow. Yeah. What kind of cancer? Uh, I'm not clear, but, it, you know, he didn't die that long ago, but it was from yeah. that. Yeah. Well, Agent Orange can attack the soft body tissue that is uh, the weakest. And yeah. for my dad, it was his eyes. Wow. Because he had seen, you know, quite a bit of yeah. uh, explosions action? and action yeah. and all that kind of Holy stuff. Holy shit. But so I lived, yeah. other than those two years, until I was around 12 in Berlin, Germany, because my mother was from Berlin, so he would always try to... Uh, so you were there. To, you were there in Germany. Till you have memories of Germany. Absolutely, yeah. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. So you were twelve. Around twelve, except for two huh. years when my dad did Vietnam and right. then uh, up wow. in Fort Ord and Stockton. Yeah, during that period of time. Wow. So do you ever go back to Germany? I have been several times. Yeah. Yeah. You have relatives? I do have uh, relatives, but now they're all kind of older, and yeah. I have a cousin that lives in Spain now, weirdly. and uh, It's nice yeah. to have a European reason to go there. Like, yes, uh, like yes. Like for family? Yeah. Like, do you like, I have to go to Spain because I have a cousin? Right. Nice. <laughs> but it's, you know, it's such a great gift in a way to be an army brat because... After you're an army brat, even when your life is at the lowest, mm. uh, you know there's more out there because you've seen it. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. Right. And it's a motivator, you know, and it was for me in Colorado as a young child. That's a good way to look Teen. at it. Yeah. As yeah. opposed to just being like, I'm fucked up. We never lived anywhere for longer than a minute. Yeah. I have no true. friends. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's the other story. Like yes. you can never make friends. Right. Yeah. But it's also, you can make friends really fast because you yeah. learn how to make friends really. It's hard. Right. It's hard to keep them. <laughs> that's the hard part. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what leads, to, so you're in Colorado and you're going to high school. So I was in Colorado. And you meet a guy. And uh, <laughs> I know it's so typical army brat kind of thing. The yeah. difference with me is that my mother uh, had a massive stroke when I was 14 or 15, and she became handicapped. And so, uh, really, yeah, so I lived on my own basically for like a year with her, or no? uh, no, she was in a rehabilitation oh center. Oh my god, yeah, so I lived there for uh, in my own home, yeah, uh, and uh, you know, would hide from the social workers and steal the food so, stamps. And oh, did so all they that. didn't know, they didn't know, and uh, back that you then, were just the, in the family house. Well, it was an apartment. Yeah. Yeah. Like that a you lived in apartment. with your mother. Yeah. And then yeah. she splits and you're still just doing yeah. it. Yeah. Well, they didn't have computers back then. Right. So, you know. <laughs> so then. That's uh, heavy, though. Yeah. That was pretty heavy time. So. And where was your dad? Well, my dad uh, was. Uh, my dad had a crazy life after yeah. the service. He yeah. was a projectionist. Weirdly, went At to a a school, yeah, uh, on the GI Bill or whatever, yeah. and became, learned how to become a projectionist. And then he owned a drive-in movie theater. So the very few times <laughs> I was around my father... He had this trailer at the back of his movie theater drive-in in Stockton, California. It was called Stockton. the 99. Yeah. And uh, so the very few times I was around my father, he also worked at the Man's Chinese Theater at the time. It was called Man's. Really? Yeah. So that, as a kid, that, I ran around that whole place. Was know? that his first gig as a projectionist before he opened the drive-in at Man's? No, I think he had the drive-in. Yeah. And then uh, that went here. around five or six years, and then he quit and... Came down here. Isn't Mans, Stockton yeah. up by the Bay Area? It's up east, up and east. Yeah. Yeah. By Fresno and all that. Oh, by Fresno, yeah. 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 My father's oh, side yeah. of the family is like the uh, Grapes of Wrath kind of folk. Oh, really? Yeah. 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 Dust Bowl. Yeah. Dust Bowl. Yeah, Oklahoma people. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. You know, they say things like, don't eat too many of them peaches, you'll get the skitters. You know, like, <laughs> that's, that's pure shit right there. <laughs> do you have family down, do you have family in Oklahoma? 
There are family in Oklahoma. Yeah, absolutely. You don't see him? Not so much. My dad eventually then moved to Kansas, eventually. Back? Yeah, he moved to Kansas, yeah. I have a little house in Kansas. How how did that happen? How'd what happen? Why'd you decide to get a house in Kansas? Oh, because I had gotten divorced, and uh, they were so cheap there, and I was like, you know what? I need to find a, when everything goes to shit, old lady hidey hole. Oh. And so I bought a little house in Kansas for like $8,000. Like, like, <laughs> like a whole house? Like, like a, a whole like house. How many bedrooms for $8,000? No, it was a two-bedroom, one-bath. I really? still have it, yeah. And the thing is, I had that same house here in Los Angeles, the same size. Yeah. For uh, a million five. Yes. <laughs> that I had to sell when my yeah. alimony went away. <laughs> it's good, though. It, it's yeah. good if you got, you know, if you got it cheap and you went out high. Yeah, yeah. So you got the house and the settlement, and then you uh, fucking bailed. And then I bailed. Yeah. Yeah, yeah pretty much. But- all right, so the drive-in theater, I like that whole scene. That's uh-huh. pretty good. Yeah, that was a crazy... At least it's cool that, to go see your dad and he does a cool thing. You know what? It, well, I The memories I have of it yeah. is just like... I have a, I had an older brother just like fighting with my older brother. Yeah. And they had this uh, in the trailer... Yeah. That was on the back of this uh, drive-in movie theater, <laughs> yeah. and and they had a picture window in the trailer yeah. that looked onto the screen from the back, and so it you'd be like, "Thank you," as Orca would crash into the village. <laughs> you know, it was really a weird experience. Wild, yeah, man. it was a wild experience. So, what happens when you're like, you know, just living in Colorado as a 14 year old? How long does that go on before the whole place goes up, goes to shit? Yeah, before I left Colorado. Well, no, like you're 14. How do you end up getting married and? Well, because uh, my mother was uh, like I, my mother was very sick when yeah. I was growing up. I have no memory of my mother ever being well. Yeah, and uh, and she had a lot of uh, issues. Yeah, she's very uh, dissociative personality. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, so and she was in a wheelchair, and uh, I was my mother's uh, helper. Hmm. And uh, no other uh, siblings. Well, my father took my brother when we got divorced. So oh. I, w- I was it. He left me as the consolation But you have a prize. full brother. Yeah, he passed. But yeah, a full brother. Oh, yeah, that's too bad. yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, when I was uh, seventeen, I yeah. met a young GI. That's what you did. That's your social circle. Yeah. You know, oh, all really? my friends. Yeah, because yeah, it's you know being an army brat. Your your whole societal structure yeah. is around being in the army. Yeah. So like your dad is in the army. Yeah. The guy, the kids you go to school, their dads are in the army. You yeah. probably met them three times during your life in all different parts of the world already. Right. You know, because you're moving around constantly they don't move people around as much as they did uh, when yeah. I was a kid what 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 rank was your dad oh well my dad uh, was not a very good soldier <laughs> and yeah. so he was just a staff sergeant okay yeah but that's all right yeah that's but he had right. a job he had a job he had a job <laughs> so you meet this guy so I met this guy yeah and then uh, uh, it was here's the thing because I uh, did at that time grow up on welfare yeah when my mother was handicapped and yeah. my father wasn't paying child support. And uh, uh, wow. yeah, it was kind of crazy. And so I just, I met this guy and uh, I, I couldn't live with my mother after I turned 18 anymore because uh, unless I was to go to college, but I had moved around so much. But they took her out of rehab and put her back in the house. So you put were, her back in the house. So you were a caretaker? To I a was de- her caretaker and it was really uh, hard. It's, you know, it's, first of all, don't ever go, uh, you know, handicap with a teenager in the house. <laughs> you know what I mean? No sympathy yeah. whatsoever. You try to be a good person, but you're a teen. You yeah, know? yeah, and, uh, yeah. So uh, I met this guy, his name was Jeff, and 
uh, he asked me to get married, and I said yes, because yeah. I was literally going to be evicted from my mother's home at that time. Practical. Practical. And we yeah. were in a little town, so it was yeah. about 30 miles outside Colorado Springs. Yeah. So we didn't have a car. Oh, my God. So I just had no options, you know? I had went to 106 different schools. College wasn't going to happen. No? No. And so we got married. Yeah. And then pretty quickly, <laughs> yeah. he became kind of violent. Uh, it's a crazy story. It's terrible. Just, he was physically violent. Uh, yeah. So I split that. God damn. I know. And then I went and hung out with this girl I knew in high school. She had a place in Colorado Springs. Yeah. So now I'm in the big city. <laughs> and uh, this is such a stupid story. And I'm going to I'm gonna circle it back. It's yeah. going to make you laugh. So then uh, I needed to get a job. Yeah. And I saw this uh, newspaper ad for hostesses. <laughs> <laughs> and I go down there, and what it is is they're looking for dancers yeah. for the Peppermint Lounge. Peppermint Lounge. The Peppermint Lounge. It was around then, huh? Yeah, it was around then. Wow. And so I went to go have an interview, and she's like, look, you're not 21. You can't serve at this place, but we're looking for dancers. You're not old enough to serve alcohol, <laughs> but, but you can show some titties. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. So then I went and did like a wet T-shirt night, and... uh it's like so burned into my memory, that wet t-shirt night. Really? Oh, yeah. I played ACDC's Highway to Hell. Yeah. you know, themes for me. Sure. And, you have uh, to. And the whole Olympic, uh, like, a hockey player team was there. Just happened to be? Just happened to be there. This is your big night? Your your audition, kind of? It was No, it was just a, a contest. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, so I did the contest. Yeah. And I took my top off. And like, I didn't even get boobs till I was 17. Like, no boobies, right? Yeah. Like, I was not, you yeah. know, like, I was shocked. Yeah. And uh, and it was the best thing that could have ever happened to me, Mark. <laughs> I'm not even lying. What happened? Well, I won the contest. Yeah. Yeah. And so for the next six months, I would just go and do the contest, like, you know, yeah. every couple of weeks. So you weren't working at the place? Not yet. But then after a couple of times, they were all like, look, bitch. <laughs> You can't come do that contest anymore. <laughs> it's such a stupid story, but it's totally true. Yeah. So I had to work there. And when I was working there, guess who I met? Who? A stand-up comedian. <laughs> Hard to believe. And Which that's one? how I got into comedy. This guy named Jeff Valdez. He owned the comedy I remember that party. guy. Yeah. From Denver. Yeah, he was actually from Pueblo, Colorado, but yeah, in but the Colorado it, scene. Yeah. Yeah, 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 I remember that yeah. guy. Did he run a club? He had a club called the Comedy Corner yeah. in Colorado Springs. I actually, we lived together when I was- Oh, uh, so you, I, were, you, were, you dated him? Yeah, and yeah. he moved in pretty quickly. Yeah. This is all happened when I was 18. 18 was a very big year for me. And you were stripping. And I was stripping, and we moved in together, and then uh, he opened the club. Yeah. And then I was the ticket girl. So you, you know. saw everybody coming through. Who was coming? Like, what year is that? Uh, that was 1982, maybe? Wow. Yes. So that's yes. like, it's like the before the boom even. Kind oh, of. yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. who the hell is coming through? So the first uh, guy to come through, Alan Stevens. <laughs> I swear oh, to God. Come I on. I swear to God. I wow. swear. Wow. And yeah. you stayed friends with him forever. Didn't you date him? Uh, no. Yeah, a little bit, but not for long. You but you know? guys were pals. We were pals for yeah. a long time. Yeah, 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 absolutely. He was one of the first guys. He was, the f and you're the second guy, Jackson Purdue. No shit. So yeah. all the store people, because that was, I mean, that's where they were working. I mean, that was the beginning of the road, yeah. kind of. Huh? Yeah, yeah. And weirdly, so that was the, that was before the comedy uh, 
what is it? The one in Denver? There was no. There, there was, was the comedy. Uh, why am I forgetting uh, it? Works. The comedy yeah, works. works. The works was and there. And there was George McKelvey's Comedy Club. But the comedy works was there. Yeah. And so when we were dating, he took me to the comedy works. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I might have been 19 yeah. maybe at that time. Yeah. And then uh, he, he, there was a girl comic on stage and literally probably had my first drink because I never drank when yeah. I was stripping. Yeah. And uh, just to protect yourself? Well, you know, that, uh, yeah. you know, after school specials do take their mark on you. <laughs> like, I can be a stripper, but I better not drink because an after school special. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> so true. It's though. probably smart, though. <laughs> no. Yeah. And, uh, and so I had literally probably my first drinks and I got a little rowdy and this girl was dying on stage. Yeah. And, and he was like, you, sh you know, I was laughing cause she was dying. Right. But yeah. I wasn't being like obnoxious yeah, or anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, you should, you should be more respectful. Comedy's really hard. And I'm like, I, I could do comedy. Valdez show my said tits. That? Yeah. yeah. I show my tits. Yeah. I can do comedy. Yeah. <laughs> you remember who the girl was? I don't remember who the girl was. I don't, I've never, I don't think, seen her since. Okay. And then I went up and I did comedy and uh, uh, did it uh, at the Godfathers. Uh, there was a club, a rock and roll call, a club called Godfathers. Really? Yeah. I wonder if that was the same one. I think there was one of those in Albuquerque, too. I wonder if it was like the same owners. It was in Pueblo or Denver? Or in Colorado Col Springs, oh. yeah. So you, why, why did you go there and not the club that your boyfriend owned? Because I think it was right around the time he was starting to open it, and he just oh. had a gig yeah. at uh, Godfather. It was, it was like within a few months. Yeah. And so I, uh, I wrote down like my little perceived joke. Sure. He was very kind enough to tape it by the microphone. Yeah. So that I could look down, and uh, and he uh, he was very nice in a lot of ways that he uh, arranged for my mother in a wheelchair to come to some rock and roll club to see your daughter. Tell dick jokes. The this is the first time? First time ever. Wow. The and last thing I would want is my mother there. I know. <laughs> I, I was shocked that she was there. I didn't yeah. know it was a surprise. Yeah. And uh, and I had a good How'd set. How'd it go? You did? I killed. Yeah. I couldn't buy a laugh for about five years after. But I, <laughs> that first time I killed it. <laughs> you know how it goes. <laughs> I do. Well, you're so excited and they're so surprised. And yeah. if you like, if you can't, like there's a, a electricity to it. Well, the the first, first time. Yeah. And it's the first time I ever did something where it felt kind of like me yeah yeah weirdly because huh. i didn't even know stand-up really existed until, until then until i met him like i didn't know the understand the concept of it, so you know? so he opens the club so are you watching everybody and doing that business and trying to figure it out yeah and who like, else was coming through there well, like roseanne came a lot because oh. she was up in denver and right. yeah like and then uh, before she was anything right oh yeah she was just open mic -er. that must have been amazing it was a pretty... Kind of to see her at that stage, because she was always pretty funny, right? From the get-go, yeah, a yeah. killer. Yeah. And, and then uh, I stayed with Jeff for about a year, yeah. and then I, he was became, you know, how men do. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> Which when they, version? When they date someone that used to be a stripper, they get all weird, you yeah. know? It's, we don't need to go into that old hacky story, but you know what I'm I'd I like saying. to know exactly what type of weird men who date strippers become. Well, they, they do stuff like, uh, oh, you're not going to listen to me, and then like throw a dollar on the floor. Oh, pick that up then. Oh, oh, no. That's what you used to, like that kind of stuff. You know, where you're just like, when you're 19, like, why are you treating me this way? Because he's an asshole. That's why. Move on. Yeah. <laughs> so I moved on. This is totally true. <laughs> so stupid. Oh, that's such a horrible fight tactic. I know. But, it, but it's one you have because they're a stripper. I get it. You know, usually you just say something that to hurt them otherwise, but that's fucking, you got a whole theatrical you presentation. Whole, yeah, I know. <laughs> 
And you know, yeah. like, how dare you throw a dollar out? And then you quietly pick the dollar up because <laughs> you know yeah, some dollar. things never die. Yeah. And uh, and then you I left. left, and I came to Los Angeles. Oh my god! That's how it all happened. And then I wasn't. I was nineteen at the time, maybe, and uh, I, I had a hard time getting a job. And did uh, you strip out here? I did by the airport. Oh my God! At the jet strip. The saddest strippers. The saddest strippers, yeah, because I airport wanted... strippers. <laughs> or the savviest. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, I don't even know where those. I kind of remember those places existing. They're not there anymore, are they? Oh, I don't. I know. wonder. Out by LAX yeah. somewhere. I'm sure there's got to be. I guess one so. There. Yeah. I'm what sure. was it called? It was called the Jet Strip. Yeah. It was pretty iconic at the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you know the guy that owned it. Yeah. Uh, his name was Mac, and he was later. He was like a retired police officer. Later, yeah. he was murdered. Like it's you could look uh, it up. They they have like really? it's a crazy place. And it was you knew a, that it guy? was an insane place. Why? It's just a lot of drugs were yeah. going through there. A lot of girls were you know well. Well, this is what happened first is, mm. uh, so I need to get a job. Yeah. So I was like, I don't want to be a stripper. I want to be taken seriously. So yeah. then I went. As what? As I don't know. <laughs> as a human being, Mark. That's nice. Yeah. <laughs> so then I go to, uh, there were, they had these dance places downtown. Mm. And they were like uh, these dance clubs. Yeah. And, and uh, it was uh, uh, a lot of uh, Asian clubs huh. because that's a cultural thing that they kind of do oh, where they so, where they they get tickets to it's dance like di- with you dime dancing yeah, yeah like yeah. you dance for a dime sure. or whatever yeah, yeah. but wow yeah but these clubs oh my god they were so crazy yeah yeah i don't were. even know what that what it like what okay so the club uh i can't even remember the name of the club I, yeah i'm sure if i looked it up but anyway, so you would walk into the club, yeah. right? Yeah. And uh, and they would have a little room once you pay your little fee. That yeah. you go, and then the room would be like full, like twenty chairs. Yeah. And all the girls would sit in the chairs, right? And then they would come. Usually, it was like uh, having a business meeting at uh-huh. night, or you hanging yeah. out with your buddies, right? And then they pick three girls, like yeah. come hang out with us, and you know, yeah. And then you just sit there and drink Coca Colas while they're talking in huh. another language, yeah. And, uh, and then I, I knew this girl. I met this girl named Raven. Yeah. I don't know why I'm even telling you this. Yeah. And and uh, she she prostituted herself out of there. Though. Yeah. That's not a real name, obviously. Yeah. But uh, so it was kind of a crazy call. And then I had a, and she invited me to a party once and she tried to prostitute me. Yeah. And I was like, like I'm going back to the strip club where it's safer. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that was didn't last very long. So uh, you managed to get out of it without prostituting. Without prostituting yeah. myself. But I was doing a lot of open mics during that time. <laughs> <laughs> when you were down at the jet strip? Yeah, I would only work days yeah. so that I could oh, go that's, and do that's open That's when it's really, really full yes. sadness, yes. strip club during the day. Yes, yes, yes. Mark, imagine all of it, all of it. Just like four people. Just think of the smells in the locker room. <laughs> it was not good. <laughs> but were you doing open mics? You know, there uh, there was a bunch of places. Uh, there what was year the, are we talking now? This, this is like 85? No, 80, no, this no, has to be 83, 84. Oh, wow. It was the Deli Smoker. Did you ever do the Deli no. Smoker? It was on Ventura. Nope. In uh, Sherman Oaks. It was in the back of a deli. Nope. And uh, there's things like that. You know? Yeah. And I couldn't get into the comedy store. Who was doing the mics with you? You remember? Anybody? Yeah. That surfaced? Because I don't remember there being an open mic scene, but I can't. But like I came out here later. Uh huh. Yeah. When did you come out to LA? <sighs> well, I came out in college, but I didn't do any comedy. But when I when I came out here to be out here, 
it was like 80, 80, it was 86. All right. It was the second half of 86 is when I came out to do the thing Mm -hmm. and then ended up through a series of events, you know, becoming the head doorman at the comedy store. Right. And I just stepped into that. Yeah. But so I don't remember doing any open mics other than, because I lived at the comedy store. I didn't even have- Well, you didn't need to. (laughs) I guess so. Yeah, you didn't need to. I got very lucky because I think I became a regular there in 85. But I couldn't even get in because I wasn't 21. And they, you know, when I showed up, they were like, hey, I want to do comedy. They were like, move aside, bitch. (laughs) You know what I mean? It was just a whole different- So what did you go, like, did you go to like potluck? I went to potluck and uh, uh, I got in. It was God, who was a like, miracle. Yeah. Who was even like who was in charge of that shit then? Uh, you you would call up during yeah. the day. My memory's a little sketchy on that, but Mitzi was still you know obviously sure. in the middle of yeah. all that. And then Roseanne came out and she stayed at my house and she did potluck and got passed immediately. I had just become a regular in eighty five. Something like that. Yeah. So, like, you knew Roseanne from Denver? From Denver. And, and she, she, like, was like, let me stay at your house. I want to go do this. Yeah, she's like, I'm going to audition at the comedy yeah. store. Uh, and I was like, yeah, stay at my house. And so she stayed at my house. And uh, she really, out of everyone, had a the pretty meteoric rise. I mean, well, it must have been because by the time I got there, she was already a big star. And she wasn't even yeah. coming around anymore. It right. was over. Well, she became a regular that night. Mitzi... I mean, think about this. Put her on in the main room because Monday nights is when you would audition for the comedy store. Yeah. And the main room shows on Mondays were insane. I know. Then. Because they, there was no cover I, in my recollection. Yeah. Like yeah. it was just a shit. All the rooms were just open. Yeah. That was like the fucking night. Yeah. That's the night that got me in trouble. Yeah. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. Because it was crazy. Yeah. So she he, she just puts her on and she so kills? So she passes her in the yeah. OR, yeah. puts her on in the main no room. No shit. And I think Jim McCauley was actually there Come that on. night. That, I, I, if, my, if memory is uh, correct in me, I think that's literally how it happened. The, it was, the night she gets passed, she does a main room spot. The booker of the Tonight Show sees her, yeah. says, you're it. I don't know if he said it that night, but he was there and he saw wow. her. And soon enough, she was on the Tonight Show. Yeah. how cra- It happened like... Whoa! But she's been doing it a few years, though, right? Yeah, she, I, yeah, I can't. Because uh, uh, you saw her exactly on no, how many, right. but probably five or six years. Yeah, right, right. But that's that's quick and that's comedy. still pretty quick. Yeah. yeah, that's really quick. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So did you did you guys talk after that night when she was staying at your house? We were just laughing. Like, <laughs> Holy shit! Yeah, and then she went back to Denver, and then things just started really happening. And I didn't even see her that much huh. after that. You know, wild. Yeah. Were you guys close or not really? Just comic you know, friends. Uh, I remember I saw her about a year later, and she yeah. was killing it, and yeah. she was doing a show or something. And or it was just starting up, and we went to go get a fat burger together. Fat burgers, right down on uh, yeah, uh, off La Santa, on La Santa Monica. Yes, exactly. Yeah, and we were sitting there, <laughs> and she was just so worn down. Like everybody is asking me for everything. I was like twenty one, yeah, maybe twenty two, right. and I just like I, you know, and I had that moment right then when she was literally kind of bearing her soul about yeah. how everyone comes out of the woodwork, where I was like, I'm never going to. 
I'm never going to be that person that kisses someone's ass or is begging yeah. off their crumbs. Thank you for putting me on the podcast, Elmer. But yeah. <laughs> I, ne- I, I would never assume you would ever become that person. Like, I, I think until a month ago, I didn't even think you liked me. Oh, really? I felt the same way. That's what I feel about everybody. I think that's how all comedians feel in general. <laughs> you were You were kind of hard. When I was a kid over there, though. What? We were the same age. I know. What do you mean hard? How do you describe that? Well, I mean, I'm just this hypersensitive, weird, reactive Uh person. Right. You know, with no real, you know, uh, you know, gauge of anything. But you just seemed like, you know, you were not to be fucked with in any way. And that you always kind of had this, you know, like, oh, God. (laughs) But you know why, Mark? Because I came up as a stripper. I know. I believe it. I believe it. And I really 100% totally believe, because it was a viper's nest, the comedy store of old, gross men at that time as a 21-year-old. And and it really served me well because I was just able to not, you know, put the blinders on. You know, it's like, get away. Well, yeah. I mean, you were kind of sexed up in your act. Well, I mean, you know, when you're 19, 20, 21 years old and you're in a comedy club, what do you think the average age of someone in that comedy club is? I don't even know. 30, 35, if you're averaging the the age. What is some ignorant little chick from Colorado that was a stripper, what is she going to have in common to be able to talk to with that crowd that's, you know, 10 years older than her? And the answer was sex. Yeah. And so I talked a lot about sex. But it's a persona kind of thing, though. It did kind of become yeah, that. Yeah. I think it was kind of accidental, yeah. you know, and when I kind of stumbled on it yeah. and everyone's so shocked about it, I was like, yeah, fuck you guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you know, yeah, there was yeah, a yeah. thrill to just yeah. throwing it in people's faces. But also you could do it because I've seen like there's there have been other uh women comics that mm-hmm. take that up, but you did have a lot of fuck you to it. Like, no one was really going to fuck with you. Right. Do you know Thank what I mean? Thank you for saying that, Mark. <laughs> that's a, that's a <laughs> it's true, though. It was you, a different you know time I mean? for sure. It was a different time <laughs> yeah, all around. Yeah. But, like, when did you get past? Were you just hanging around? I got past when I was 21, right off the bat. First time I uh, shook But you had to wait. But you'd been, you'd been hanging around a little bit? You know, I wasn't... Uh, I went when I was like 19 yeah. when I first got into L.A., yeah. but I was literally, uh, they wouldn't let me in the club, the, right. you know, because they looked at me. And, well, they get in trouble. And, uh, well, no. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> they don't have fucking, they're really weirdly like on top of that age thing. You know, now, like, but uh, not 1984, 85. I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, were, yeah. You know, it was just, I. it was kind of, I think. You know, you don't fit what we think a woman comic should look now, like. Now, who was saying that? Well, well, that's just, you know. The vibe? Like, yeah, that's the vibe. Who were the like. fucking, you know, the, the, the kind of like the dudes who were at the top of the hierarchy then? Well, I mean, uh, I can't remember who didn't let me in, but. I mean, for sure, Harris Pete was around there, but he was, you know, for sure. Come yeah, on now. I know. I, I know. love Harris, though. I fucking love Harris. <laughs> he was the guy with his wallet and his wallet chain. He was at uh, the door of yeah. the fucking OR telling you you can't come in. No, he wasn't that. He wasn't that guy. It wasn't some yeah. other person that never yeah. went anywhere. But um, yeah. yeah, so yeah, so I had to wait till I was twenty. I literally turned twenty-one and showed up at the comedy store. And she passed you immediately. And I got passed. I, and and I remember when I got past Mark, I couldn't buy a laugh. The only laugh in that whole fucking OR was Mitzi Shore. 
<laughs> and I was like, my ass was sweating. I was like, this is going terribly. Yeah. And then I got past. I was like, wow. Oh, that's good. She yeah. had that weird laugh. And you knew yeah. exactly where she was. Oh, she was yeah. either sitting by the back door or in her booth. But I don't recall her ever really sitting in her booth in the OR as much as she sat by the back door. Really? Was she sitting in the booth? She was sitting in the booth. I for sure remember that. Yeah. Yeah. I do, I, well, I mean, it's like it all. Every I haven't had one of these conversations in a while about that place, but uh-huh. because we were there at the exact same time, I don't. Yeah. I was only there for less than a year. You were only there for less than a year that first time. Wow, my memory of you being there was so big. It well, seems that's because like I was in it, man, and it was you like were in the, you I were sort in the of dirty, yeah, yeah, and I was like part of it. Like I was one of those guys, and there's only a few of us really. But I, where like that place was like, oh, this is my. This has been my home for centuries. Like, I belong at this place. Mm-hmm. I am part of it. Yeah. So, like, I was there all the time. I was there during the fucking day making coffee and shit. And by the time she put me up in that house, I mean, I was answering phones. I was driving the yeah. Jeep. I was getting her <laughs> <Jesus>. shit. <laughs> I was working the lot. I was Jesus. the head door guy. It was, wow. I was like, it was, it was all, and I was doing a lot of blow. Oh, my God, Mark. And then yeah, I, you were. <laughs> You know, as I was driving over here, because yeah. I knew we would get to the blow part, <laughs> yeah. I was thinking to myself, I'm so, I'm, I feel very grateful about the weirdest things in my life at, yeah. during that, yeah. that early period. A, that I was a stripper and I can handle the guys. Yeah. But B, that that wasn't my drug. Yeah. Like, I just didn't care for it. And I feel so fucking lucky about that. There was no, you know, because like, I don't think I was really a fully formed person yeah. That there and there was no kind of lid to my my brain, like it, it, I was just so game and so lit up by it all, and I had this weird naive trust of things. Yeah, and it, and it took me years to realize what fucking monsters uh, comedians are. Yeah. I mean, I'm my own monster, but like I was in I was in the circle with real fucking monsters. Yeah, you were. <laughs> you you were. know, and I just remember. There be, they got to a point there where there was some sort of like, even maybe this was my misinterpretation of your kind of uh, how you were looking at me. I think that eventually people were like, that guy's in trouble. <laughs> well, when I think about you back in the, I just, I always remember you wearing like a trench coat and you were mm. kind of dark and negative. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I've been around you yeah. in, in so many yeah. parts forms. of my I know. life. <laughs> it's really interesting, it's, isn't it, it? Yeah, it's it's to me right now it's so fun to be at the comedy yeah. store and to like stand with Don Barris and be like, "Can you fucking believe it's you, me, and Marin? Can you fucking believe we're the three that lasted?" Uh, yeah, or or the right that lasted or that still come around. Yes, yes, yes. What's wrong with us? Exactly. <laughs> but it, well, Binder's back, and that was before our time. Yeah, he went and did my show, Age Against the Machine. Oh yeah. I was like, "Hey, come do. You haven't done it in twenty yeah. years." Like, no. And I was like, "I blame you." <laughs> it's it's just a little weird because like like I you know when I interviewed him, he didn't want to have anything to do with the comedy store. Now he you know you can't get rid of him. And what's funny is he's literally behaving like he's 25 years old. He's literally sort of like, I don't know, man, I can't get spots and fuck this place. <laughs> I'm like, dude, you're a world famous director. Yeah, you're like, Move the fuck along. You're in your 60s. <laughs> I know. What are you, 22? It is funny. It is. Fu- it's like because uh, one of my best friends uh, who was here shortly, Jessica, who's also a comedian, yeah. 
And uh, she was first girl uh, door guy at the yeah. comedy store and stuff. But it's so funny how the same stuff kill, still goes on about oh, someone is getting, you know, becoming a regular and I'm still this. And, you know, they all do it. It's still. amazing that the system's still in place. Yes. Yes. A bunch of a bunch of door people just got passed the other day. Yes. Like two days ago. Yeah. It was a big deal. Yeah. It's always a big deal when you get passed. I for, yeah, I forget. Were you I, there when they put your name on the wall? No, I had such a convoluted. It took me years to get on that fucking wall. When I lost my mind, I was a non-paid regular. I was just this weird fucking kid <laughs> that ended up breaking glasses in the parking lot. And <laughs> <laughs> because I got kicked out of the group. Yeah. Fucking, fucking, you know, like it was like I got falling out with fucking the fat man. And, uh, you know, it just got weird. And I just remember I was losing my mind. Anyway, I, know, well, I just I remember know. asking Majid. Oh, the, in the parking the drug lot. dealer, imagine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, you know, dude, I don't know what I should do, man. And he was like, you got to go do your own thing. And I'm like, when the drug dealer is telling you to split, I'm like, I got to better go then. I know. I remember when you left and everyone was like, Mark's out. <laughs> <laughs> Marin's out. Yeah, I know. And we were all like, fuck, about time. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I got under people's skin. I I just had this. I just would push that Sam, you know. Yeah. And yeah. He, and he was such an explosive fuck. It was I, it was destined to happen. It was the best thing that could ever happen. Oh, Oh, one hundred percent. But like, so when you're watching all that, but so well, let's talk about that. The idea, like, did you have women friends at the store? I mean, was there anyone there? I I will say at that time uh, that. Women were, it, it's it's such a uh, c- kind of crazy conversation because still to this day, yeah. if you take those old lineups yeah. and put them against the lineups that are now, yeah. uh, there were probably more women working then. For sure, at that place. At, at the store, then kind of, now it's getting, you know, better, but... Uh, it was so, a lot. I remember yeah. watching them all. Carrie Snow. Oh, yes. And yes. Karen Haber. Yes. Kathy Ladman, who I, I just had her on. I didn't appreciate when I was younger, but now I'm like, holy cow, Kathy Ladman. I didn't appreciate uh, Elaine Boozer. She wasn't necessarily I didn't a comedy see her there. store yeah. act, but, you know, back then, it, it, there were so few women, it's like you were kind of pitted against each other. But there, it, wasn't, it also was weird at the store is that it's much more hostile now. In a way. You think? A little bit. Because like I remember like at the store when I'm doing when I was working the door in the main room and those in those lineups, it's like Janice Hart would go on with her weird props. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember there being trouble. And Karen Haber would go on and she was pretty you know, there wasn't the defensiveness. And and Ladman is a joke writer. There was a sense of what comedy was. You know, and people were watching it. It was like watching television. It's like when you watch Dreesen now or you watch Argus, those guys still kill because they speak in the tone of what people grew up with. Uh-huh. And I just think at the store, it was more polite in my mind than it, than, it, than it is now. I don't remember there being a ton of problems with audiences. Oh, with audiences? Yeah. The, it was hard for me at that time. Yeah. I can only speak to my experience yeah. at that time. It was hard for me because we were kind of pitted against each other. So sometimes the women, yeah, I think I don't think it was consciously. I think they, they, well, I know they were not cool to me. Yeah, Carrie Snow was so fucking mean to me, and I can say this, yeah, because we've resolved it and I've we've talked about it many times. Oh, really? She would, you know, she was kind of. Uh, 
very sarcastic yeah. and mean and uh and so much so that I you know I had to like block people out of my view yeah. because they were just so not supportive. Now I feel it's different with women in comedy are pretty supportive of each other. And then when I had stopped doing comedy yeah. when my kids were little, I was at the grocery store, like at a Gelson's, yeah. and uh, I see some woman running up to me. I hadn't seen her in 20 years. She's like, oh, my God, I love your social media posts. I love that you're back doing comedy. And I, I literally said to her, Carrie, you were so fucking mean to yeah. me at the store. She was really cruel, <laughs> would call me dummy, would, yeah. you know, to make the guys laugh. Yeah. And she goes, uh, you know what? You're right. And that wasn't you. It was my issues. Yeah. It wasn't your issues. And I was totally, was totally fine after that. You know. Well, it's so weird that if you live long enough, you resolve this shit. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And like Kathy, I just talked to Admin. You know, she she's a solid. It's like she was a joke writer, and these people were writing these bits. You know, it, it's like in my recollection of it. There was always a lot of women on the lineup, Sarah. Right. At least in the main room. Yes. The yes. the original room was I I don't I, I well Tamayo was around. Yeah. But I definitely remember Haber, yeah. uh, Babbitt, yeah. uh Jan Hart, um, and uh Carrie sometimes. Yes. Tamayo. Yeah. Uh then Judy some, Gold came in later sure. a little bit later. Yeah. Um, she's more our age, but, but then yeah. but originally the idea of the belly room was for women. I don't know what that looked like or when that happened. That was before we got I know, there. That was yeah. before I got there even. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, they did like a Girls of the Comedy Store, but I missed that by a few years. Yeah. So thankfully. But <laughs> Yeah. But it feels but, like it's a little more balanced over there these days. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll tell you who I think about all the time yeah. when that period of the Comedy Store, and, and uh, I'm going to use the word shelter because I'm looking right at that poster, yeah. who I felt shelter with. Yeah. Charlie Hill. Yeah. Charlie Hill was an uh, American Indian. Yeah, and, sweet uh, guy. Sweet guy did the Tonight Show. Yes. Uh, and he was one of those guys. If he talked to you, yeah. there w- there was no ulterior motive. He was solid citizen. Yeah. And uh, and he hung out with the danger element of the comedy yeah. show, but he was not. No. And, and he was so super cool to yeah. me that the other fellas kind of fell in. Yeah. And it was because of Charlie Hill and Mooney, in a sense. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, because when I was first there, there, you know, I didn't get any support from the women. I got support from Mitzi, though, and and she totally changed my life. And the men were just talking to me like if they did, like I was the idiot. And for me, it changed with Charlie Hill. Yeah. And then one night I had to follow Mooney. Yeah. And Mooney was doing his, you know. Uh, Jesus Christ, what rants. time was that spot? Two in the morning? Oh, yeah. Because I, <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> so I was up there talking about, you know, my sex jokes, yeah. you know, pussy, pussy, pussy. Yeah. And the crowd was not having it. And then I said, oh, Mooney can get up here and say the N-word all night long. And the crowd, like, hated me. But Mooney laughed so hard. And then right after that, he was so cool to me yeah and because of charlie hill and paul mooney the others kind of fell in so what happens with your comedy ultimately when do you get the hang of it with my comedy yeah i mean you were there for a while and you said you weren't getting over i was uh you know it was starting to happen but you know back then it was right before the hbo specials started happening yeah but i was you know people just weren't taking me very seriously because i was like hi my pussy and, yeah, and all yeah. that kind of stuff being dumb and young and then i got a chance to uh be on star search i right. auditioned for star search yeah. and i the way star search worked did you ever do it by the way no y- you sound a little angry about it mark 
No, it, it was never like it was. I, the, my reasons for doing comedy were were never uh, for business reasons. <laughs> like I never, <laughs> I never. It really took me a long time to grasp why the fuck I was even doing it. Like it's so funny because your memories of me are all these sort of like running around in my overcoat and sweaty and angry, but right. no one remembers my comedy of that time. <laughs> no, I don't even, Mark. You I got to be honest. Well, you, how would you have seen it unless oh. you were up in the in the belly room with me and John Nicaforis and oh all the fucking God. doormen? So anyway, Mark, I have to say this though. I remember then you go away. Yeah. Right. You yeah. go to Boston or yeah, Phoenix well, I, or rehab I went to, or something. Went to rehab and then went uh -huh. back to Boston. And then five. Five years later, yeah. maybe four years later, mm -hmm. uh, I hook up uh, with a gentleman that's going to be my husband. Yeah. Uh, we're divorced now. Yeah. And uh, and he wants to manage comedians, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and, we, we're, and he says- he Wasn't comes, he managing comedians by the time you met him? No. Oh, wow. No, no, not at all. So uh, it kind of turned into that pretty shortly, but not, not at all at, at that moment. Yeah. And so he came home and he says- I'm going to sign Mark Merritt. And I was like, what the fuck? I'm not paying the rent on this place for you to fucking go and sign Mark Merritt. <laughs> I was that like, kid. are you insane? He dresses like an after school shooter. Are you fucking insane? He's like, no, he's really fun. And I oh, was wow. like, I was like, oh my God, I hooked up with a loser. <laughs> I was like, he has no taste, right? Because I hadn't seen you. I know. And you were such a mess at the store. It was probably, that was probably 1989, no, yeah. 92 maybe. Yeah, because I, then I, we went to the San Francisco Laugh yeah. Off. The, the competition, comedy competition, comedy yeah. Comedy competition. Yeah. And, uh, and then I, that's the first time I can say that I really saw your comedy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and you I, saw my roots. I mean, at that time, I was just like a dark, of the, I was of the ilk. Yeah. Of what we come from. Uh-huh. Right? Yeah. Yeah, but I do remember that. Like, what the? Fuck? Yeah, well, I, I <laughs> but I pursued him because, like, I think the first guy he represented was Rhodes, Tom Rhodes, right? Yes, absolutely. So, like, when I was in San Francisco at Rhodes, I'm like, this guy manages you. Well, if he's going to manage you, fuck it, he'll manage me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm at home. What Who the, the fuck? fuck are these? <laughs> and I think these... he signed Louie around that time too. Did he? I, it like... might have been around that time. Because like I have two, I have several lives in comedy. Because I did, yeah. you know, I was in Boston. Yeah. To you know, that's where I I kind of restarted. And there was this whole world of Barry Katzland where he signed everybody. Right. And then Louis was with the with the Martins. And then like I don't know, I think it was probably a little little later yeah. that he signed Louis. But then eventually he signed everybody. <laughs> so good that he becomes like oh my God, the biggest does. manager in fucking comedy. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and then we divorced anyway. Yeah. But, but, uh, that, but that's interesting, though, because, like, you know, at that time, like, I remember, I'm trying to remember around that time, because you were visible. With, what happened with Star Search? Oh, so I went on Star Search, yeah. and uh, I, Star Search, uh, I don't mean to belabor it or anything, but yeah. uh, the way they filmed it is they filmed it in two sections. Yeah. One was generally kind of in the springtime, yeah. and one was probably November-ish yeah. around that time. Yeah. And then they would pick a... a <laughs> A, uh, a semi-champion from each time, 
and then uh, the person that won in the spring, the yeah. you know semi champ, would go against the person that wins in the fall. So they had to wait like six months. Yeah. But for some reason, the year that I was on, there hadn't been someone that had won repeatedly. Yeah. And so I just got a lucky spot yeah. where I literally only because the sets were like two and a half minutes, so they were right. like super small sets, like three did, minutes. Was long. it like like for someone like you it was like two and a half minutes clean? I know. Fuck. I know. <laughs> I know. How am I do? Seriously, that's what it was. People, can, <laughs> like I can say they were also mean to me at the comedy store. But yeah. when I got to that position where like now I'm going to go again the the semi champ and it's for the money because you won like a hundred thousand yeah. dollars in ninety one that was yeah. a lot of money yeah and that that people old the old grizzlies would come out at the comedy store they'd be like <laughs> the slowly pass me a joke over you might want to use this oh, really? <laughs> yeah but I didn't do it because I just knew you know I was you know treated like such an idiot I'm like if I take people's jokes the it's gonna, it's gonna bite it's in not the ass. gonna be yeah. good it's not yeah. gonna be good they'll all come after me and miraculously I won so I won Star Search and was who was the other comic the who were you up against I went against uh, uh, Bob Zaney oh yeah and uh, Carrot Top was within it yeah I went against this uh, a woman comic named Leslie Norris yeah and uh, yeah so it wasn't a, and then we moved to New York you and Dave and then he kind of started the Luna comedy thing. Right. I remember that original office in New York. Yeah, it was like one room. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we were going there. Dave Miner was in a closet. Yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and now they're yeah. the, the biggest fucking managers yeah. in the world. Those two guys. I was always so rude to Miner because I'm like, what do you do? Who are you? you know, cause yeah. Yeah. My fundamental lack of respect for that uh, for that part of the business yeah. th- didn't, didn't help me. <laughs> Yeah, because you had every fucking chance. <laughs> Did I? <laughs> yeah. Well, that was, I think, like, those opportunities that I had over the years were, the fact was that people thought they knew who I was, so they tried to, they're like, oh, he's got control of this cranky guy. Or but I had no control. I had no sense of anything. Yeah. I didn't know how the business worked. So I wasn't ready for anything, but I did have a lot of shots. <laughs> you had every shot, Mark. Come yeah. on now. Yeah. Uh, but you know what I love about you, Mark? I love that you had every shot. It wasn't the right fit anything, yeah. and you found the thing that elevated you on your own, 100%. <laughs> In my 40s, yeah. Yeah, but still. I just remember Dave. the best Dave, way to do it. Yeah. Dave was like, dude, these VH1, uh, these are great spots for you. And he's got me you know, doing these VJ fucking, because, yeah, that's what you get. Yeah. Like, go try to do this. Then the game show on fucking VH1. Yeah. I mean, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. Like, I... I was sitting there throwing the Tony Braxton videos. I'm like, you know, in, in clothes that weren't mine. And Becky's like, this will be good, man. It'll teach you. It'll, you'll learn something. I'm like, what the fuck am I learning? But I do remember uh, when Dave started the Luna Lounge yeah, thing, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. And uh, I remember a specific night. Yeah. Uh, and it was the first time I'd seen you sit on a chair. <laughs> yeah, the, the beginning of the stool. The beginning of the stool. <laughs> yeah. And I remember... Uh, because I like, oh, yeah, I, you know, after he signed you yeah, and I'd yeah. seen you quite a bit, but I remember the shift th- that night at Luna Lounge yeah. and you said a joke about people's garages are like a museum of lost, lost hobbies. Hobby. I mean, yeah, 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 and yeah, yeah. you did a bunch of material where I was like, holy shit. Whole, I remember that in New York at Luna Lounge. Yeah. Like I remember watching. I was probably. I have lots of photos that I took of you at yeah. that time, and I just remember like, wow. I'm wow. finding the thing. Because it it was so eye opening. Like, you know, people 
sometimes it takes 10, 15 sure. years. Yeah, yeah oh, for sure. The yeah. Museum of Forgotten Hobbies, right? Oh, yeah. yeah, you go to the Mary guy's house. Oh, yeah, I don't know what I was thinking with the tuba. I remember. Yeah. <laughs> but you had all this material <laughs> where it was the first time I really saw Mark. Oh, yeah. I, oh, I just remember that night, yeah. Yeah, it's in the mid-90s. Well, thank mm-hmm. you. Yeah. But, like, okay, so, but, like, after, like, Star Search, do you, does this mean you work? As a comic, yeah. oh yeah, I was uh, headlining all over. That was over. the big thing, right? I, I headlined for like probably seven, five to seven years straight. Put out CD? Yeah, of course. 35 yeah. weeks a year. Wow. That And it really ruined my comedy. It just kind of ruined me. It did? Doing 35 weeks, those were long weeks, yeah. like Tuesday through Two, Sunday. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Those, and you would do like 10 weeks yeah. at a time. You oh, know? man. You didn't, ha- you didn't, I didn't even have a cell phone. Didn't you get like best female comic one year? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. Yeah, yeah it was fun. Yeah. Well, how did it ruin you though? Just, you know, mentally, emotionally, just, uh, or the comedy? It just makes, you know, it's all, as we know, all different now. Yeah. But, you know, you could really float your act for a good decade uh, back then. And it, right. it made you so sick of it. I just Stagnant. got so sick yeah. of it, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and then during that time when the whole alternative yeah. scene happened, right. I was the same age as everybody else, but because I started so young. Right. And uh, I got kind of like, piled into the old guy uh-huh. section of comedy. And huh. So to me, when the alternative comedy scene happened, I was just like amazed, like, you know. Well, when did you decide to take a break? Well, I was living in New York. Yeah. And uh, we were, I was doing about 35 weeks a year right yeah. to, to that. And I was just like, uh, you know, I wanted to have a kid. Yeah. And I was just like, I can't do this anymore. So I uh, had always uh, taken a camera with yeah. me. Yeah. And, uh, I remember. And uh, so I was just like, you know, I got to, I need to be creative in a different way now. Yeah. Yeah. And it was interesting because, like, I would see you and you were like so, like, a lot of times, you know, when you see people that are around that don't do it anymore, which is rare. Yeah, it's rare. There, there's a moment where it's sort of like, oh, well, I guess she's just doing the picture but it didn't feel that way like right away you're sort of like oh she's taking pictures of us and she's one of us and she's like fucking you know this is this is good yeah uh when i i started doing photography and i would take classes like at the new school nyu and all that kind of stuff did a little film stuff there and all that and then uh i I quit, but then I got nominated for the comedy award, right. and so I kind of came back a little bit. But then my kid came. But then I was like, "Who can? I want to do like a, a photojournalistic style story. Like, yeah. who do I? Who do I know that's fascinating? <laughs> who, what people that are, that are doing something edgy?" And yeah. like six months later, I was like, "Well, fucking comedians, dumbass." <laughs> So right. I kind of documented that whole scene then. Yeah. It was wild, yeah. yeah. And then, like, it did it because it became a show, right? Did it become a book as well? Uh, what did all the photographs? Oh, you know, I'm working on a book. Yeah, I have. Yeah, that's like my long term. But uh, didn't it show somewhere? Like, didn't yes, you put... it won a prize in France. That's for, amazing. Uh, yeah, from some big competition. I made a couple short films. They did pretty yeah. well on the circuit. Did those kind of. Oh, wait, things. I think I saw one of those. Maybe. What was it called? Uh, in the weeds. Yeah, what was yeah. that about? It's about uh, uh, my aunt who was so religious; she was evil. 
<laughs> you know, like a yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of person, yeah. And we were both in Mitch's movie. Yes, yes. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. The movie that hard you can't find. Yes, Hedberg's mil- movie, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was a crazy time. It was a crazy time, that man. That was such a crazy time. Because, you know, we're all, where were we, in Minnesota? Yeah. And he flew us all out? Yeah. And then, like, oh, it was. It was such a crazy time, like. I can't give people eye contact, but I'm going to direct a movie. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay. And I don't even remember him directing. <laughs> I remember doing the movie. Yeah. And I remember yeah. him telling me what was up, but he was yeah. also in it as well. Yes. But you yes. were really good friends with his with Jana, right? Right, right. I remember. Yeah, you were yeah. kind of part of the production I somehow. was the assistant director. It went to Sundance, so that movie. Right. Yeah. That, you were the one directing it, really. Well, I wouldn't say that. He directed it. No, I know, but he yeah. was in it. Yes. But you were like the point person. Could we going to talk to Mitch? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that, that's such a crazy time? Mattel was in it. Everyone was Everyone in it. Everyone was in it. But the photography thing that like worked out for you for a while, huh? It worked out pretty well for me. You know, I uh, really learned how to do it, uh, and uh, I was a staff photographer for Just for Laughs a yeah. couple years before oh, that's the right. pandemic, yeah. and then uh, for the Comedy Pro events, and then... I've been working on documentaries, doing stills. I yeah. worked on the Bob Einstein documentary, and I worked on a, a documentary recently about uh, Charles Fox, a guy that wrote Killing Me Softly. Oh, yeah? Where I got to go to Paris and photograph, wow. and now I'm working on a Julie Andrews Blake Edwards untitled project. Doing really? stills, and yeah, camera and camera operating, and are the they IT both al- work. Are they yeah. alive? Uh, Julie Andrews is, yeah. No shit. Yeah. So you get to meet her and talk. Oh my God! I was it was such a pressure cooker because they were interviewing her. Yeah. And then uh, you know, okay, you have you know one minute to get her picture, and like you don't want to mess up with Julie Andrews. Yeah. So I'm take five like clicks, and she's like looks at me very sweetly and is like, "You got it right." And it's like, "Yes, ma'am." <laughs> you know, it's like talking to Mitzi about a joke. Like, okay, I'm gonna slink off, ma'am. The same vibe, same yeah, vibe. Yeah, yeah. Sweet lady, beautiful lady. She yeah. looks great. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And what? Like, were you around for? Like, were you within the circle when Sam died? And or is it you were gone? Right, that was over. Um, that was I had moved because we were in New York at that time, yeah. probably at the same time, and. Uh, uh, I remember hearing about it. I think I was in yeah. San Francisco for some reason. I think. Yeah. I don't remember what year that was, but I think I was living in San Francisco. Is that possible? It might have 93? been right before 94. you moved to New York. <sighs> right. Yeah. So yeah, that was. <sighs> yeah. He is. You know, it's a big conversation, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> well, we kind of really knew him. <laughs> I know. <laughs> people come up and they're yeah. like uh oh my god sam kinnison was such a nice guy to me and Ugh, it's just like no. you're talking you know you're like dead to me because that is not the scenario at all <laughs> you didn't hang around long enough <laughs> you know? i remember once he was so drunk yeah. he was standing outside of you know when they let people out of the main room in the back yeah and he was dropped is like two in the morning dropping yeah. his pants every time someone would walk by and he'd drop his pants go remember when this would get a laugh he would do that that's my kinnison <laughs> And then his sweatpants. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
And then uh, and then he was so fucked up. You know how fucked up you have to be when other comics in 1989 or whatever year that yeah. is is like, yeah, I don't want to hang out with you, Sam. <laughs> you gotta, yeah, I'm just not interested in your coke right now because you're that gross right now. Oh, and, oh, uh, when he'd get like drunk like that, was the fucking worst. Oh, it was terrible. So then I said, uh, he's like, I can't get in. Malika, his wife, she sure. won't let me in the house, and I was like, well, um. My roommate is gone. You can sleep in her room. I had this weird roommate. Yeah. So I lived uh, kind of by the Laugh Factory. So we went to my yeah. house. Yeah. And I, I've always been into vintage things like lunch boxes yeah. and stuff. And yeah. I had a, Oh, yeah. I remember you had a bunch of yeah, lunch boxes. Yeah, I have a bunch of lunch boxes. Yeah. And I had like cartoon glasses. Yeah. And, uh, oh, no. and one was like Wendy the Good Witch. And yeah. one was like, uh, you know. <laughs> yeah. What was a Loghorn Leghorn? Loghorn Leghorn. Yeah, yeah. and it was anyway. So we had a drink or whatever, and then I was like, "All right," but my roommate had locked her door. I didn't even know oh, she no. had a lock on it. So we crashed in my bed, yeah. right? And if you can imagine, gross, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, Sweaty, yeah. drunk Sam. <laughs> yes. All fat. And then he pops up at like four in the morning. Yeah. And he's like, "Oh shit, I I got a gig. I got to get to. Got to get on a plane." I was like, "All right, all right. I'll see you later. Bye." And nothing happened, obviously, yeah. right? Because you. And yeah. then, uh, uh, then a few hours later, I'm still asleep, and I yeah. get a call from the plane. Yeah. And he's all like, "Hey, see my Ferrari keys around?" And I and I'm like, "Because you used to drive that yeah. Ferrari." And I'm like, "No, I don't see him. All right, I'll talk to you later. See yeah. you next week." Yeah. And then uh, six months later, yeah, had a young little boyfriend, yeah. and we were <laughs> having sex in my bed. Yeah. And. And his hand like kind of slid between the wall and my bed. Yeah. And he pulls up the Ferrari keys and he's like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> I better call Sam. I know. Yeah, shit. And then years later, Dave was all like, did you have sex with Sam Kinison? I was like, no, I didn't have sex with Sam Kinison. Please. Oh, my God. It was like, oh, I, I'm surprised he swept in the bed. The motherfucker was always sleeping on the floor at Crest Hill. Uh, always yeah, sleeping yeah, on the floor. He, yeah. And then when I went over to his house once, you know, he swept on the floor there, too. I'm like, yeah. the fuck, man? Yeah. Couldn't make it to the bed. Oh no, he yeah. liked the floor. Yeah, I don't. He liked fucking sweet faced out on the floor. Yeah. I, th- I thought so. Yeah, you know there there are moments where where you know you, there are good moments with that guy, and but they're usually a mess. But there mm-hmm. are moments that you could talk about that are funny. You know, for sure. Yeah, I also think there was so much cruelty. Well, he was a mean bully of a he fuck. He was a mean guy. Like he tried yeah. to, he literally after the falling out over whatever the fuck that was, that story mm-hmm. is, he put the word out. You know, he told Johnny Zap, don't work <laughs> Marin. You, yeah. you know, don't, don't let Mark go to Solvang for the fucking weird <laughs> gig where they got to improv yeah. at the end. Yeah. But it like was... he's putting the fucking word out on me. And I'm 22, and I got barely 15 minutes. I mean, that's fucked up. Yeah. It, I was, was so happy I got spit out. And I was uh, pretty friendly with Christy, which was Carl sure. Lebov's wife. Yeah, at that me time. too. Kind of. And uh, it it was not okay how that went down. Like, as a girl, sometimes yeah. you get, you know, because you're friends with the, you know, girlfriends yeah. and the wives. And, uh, you know, that... That was not okay. And I yeah. had a lot of anger about that. And I had a lot of anger towards Carl. Yeah. About that. About the child support and about like, I you know. I just had a lot of anger like because. Uh, well, you're talking about her like having Sam's kid. Yeah, yeah. Because I had a lot of anger of you guys were older than us. Yeah. And you, 
you can tell when someone when it's an unfair thing. Yeah. When you're being a piece of shit to someone yeah. who isn't capable of dealing with it. Yeah. And and might should see a therapist. Yeah. I don't want to talk out of school necessarily on everything, but it was just not okay. Yeah. And then I I think I might have said this to you before where Alan Stevens who was one of the outlaws said to me I think you might want to start thinking about the idea that maybe Carl could also be a victim of Sam. Mm. And in that way, I found my friendship back with Carl. Yeah. I had to think about it in that way. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of drugs, man. A lot of drugs. And a lot of weirdness. And, you know, like full on, like Sam was like, you know, an astronaut of fucking dark bullshit. Yeah. And Carl was just... They, the, the two of them were in it for the ride. Right. The one, the one thing I, the best thing that happened to me was, you know, I won't, you, you know, Mike Becker, who was Mitzi's assistant, used to call them satellite comics. You know, these guys that would grab, rotate around these people. Like, could Sam be like, I'm going to help you out, man? You know? Yeah. And they don't. They don't. And there's nothing they can do. And if you're, if you're going to hitch your fucking pony to a dude who's like bigger than you, it's right. a fucking losing game, man. Especially if you're a third or fourth satellite. Yeah. I get being maybe the number one position satellite. <laughs> I guess. Well, then you just get opening work for a while. Right. But right. still, it's not going to yeah. not gonna change yeah. your, you know. I mean, I wasn't even I wasn't even inner circle. I was just like, here's 300 bucks. Go buy some shit for Crest Hill so we can come destroy the house you live in for three days. Right. But yeah. I loved it. It wasn't my house. Fuck yeah, it. Exactly. We were burning furniture up there. I'm sure you were. <laughs> so... So now, like the the, I mean, the big arc of this story is you come back to I came comedy. Back. It was like sort of like yeah. you're, I, I, it wasn't that long ago. You're like she's she's back. I did. I took about ten years off. Ten years for my kids. Yeah, and then uh, I was got divorced, and I just had all this anger and nowhere to express it. And so I I go to the comedy store. Tommy's there. I say, Tommy. Mitzi really wants you to go on second. Yeah. (laughs) Speaking for Mitzi. Yeah. And I said, Tommy, you know, I want to get back to comedy. And uh, and he said, you're too old. Really? He told me. And he was so bold in it. Made me laugh because it was like, damn, you were a bold bitch. (laughs) You know what I mean? And uh, and so I I didn't let it uh, deter me, and I just uh, went around and again did the open mics. Really, and it was harder doing it the second time coming yeah. to it than even the first time. Yeah, because you know what you're gambling yeah. on. And I just started working my way uh, back up. Yeah, you know, and uh, did Beauty and the Beast with Joey. Joey, by the way, was such a champion to me. The Be- podcast. Uh, Beauty and the Beast. The Beauty and yeah. the Beast podcast, but Joey Diaz was uh, I. Uh, Great guy. I really love Joey, yep. and he was such a uh, you know because when your ex husband is then the biggest manager in comedy, yeah. it's really hard to get stage time. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and Joey's like fuck him, and you know what I mean. And he. You think that had something to do with it? that? Was a liability somehow? Uh, Dave. Yeah. Yeah, just people knowing it. I, I don't think it's a vicious thing. Yeah. I think it's just like I got, I got to do business. I got my own family to worry about. I'm not going to burn my bridge yeah. because of an ex-wife that wants to tell three minutes worth of jokes. You know uh-huh. what I mean? Like, yeah. I, and I don't. I'm not angry about it. 
Right. It's just that's how life is sometimes. But, you know, he wasn't doing anything to get in your way. It was the perception. No. Yeah, I think it was more the perception. Yeah, no, yeah, I yeah. can't say that. Yeah, no, yeah, that yeah. would be unfair. Yeah, yeah, yeah For yeah. sure. No, yeah. no, no, no. I think it was more the perception of, yeah. you know, because it was, you know, it is what it is. You've yeah. been divorced, you know. Yeah. You know. I I don't have kids, though. But yeah. So, like, you know, when you have kids, you're still in relationship one way or the other. Right. You right. Know? And you got to figure that shit out. Yeah, you do. Yeah, yeah you do. But you guys are all right, right? Yeah, everything's great. Yeah. So how's comedy though? What's the what's the big plan? What are you doing? Are you going out or are you just doing the store? Well, or? I'm doing like a, a special in July. Oh yeah. In Florida, they're doing a bunch of them down there. So Who I'm is? Do, uh, it's through Mercury's Comedy Theater, July okay. 18th through 22nd. Yeah. And uh, they're doing a bunch of people. Yeah. It's, they're uh, modeling it after the Dry Bar Comedy Specials. Okay. Um, they're calling it Wet Bar, so you can be dirty. Uh huh. And uh, so that, and uh, doing the podcast, yeah. Liars Club. Please go yeah. to the Comedy Star YouTube page and yeah. slobber all over. I that. was on there. You were on there. You that were awesome good. on there. That, that was, was fun. Was Bill fun. Burr came on. That was fun. That was good. That was a lot of fun. And uh, I've been just, uh, I uh, just uh, about to publish my first book. Of the photos or uh, no, of a writing no, it's book? It's a fiction book. Yeah. Oh, wow. So I've been doing Holy that over the pandemic and. Uh, you did a lot of things. It's know. it's nice that you know you found all those other you know avenues of creativity. For sure, because like a lot of times comedy, you just get stuck in it, man. Well, this is what I want to ask you. Yeah. How come you never directed anything, or did you direct something? Or I didn't. Come... I directed a couple episodes of my my own show uh -huh. of Marin just to yeah. you know get in the guild. Uh huh. Uh, but like you know, for me, oddly, the one thing I realize about myself is that I'm not I'm not great at long. Uh, long game vision. Like, you, you know, the idea of directing of what it takes to make a movie and then the idea that maybe no one will ever see that. I got to really love something to sort of get over the anxiety of committing a year mm -hmm. to two years of my life right. to something and then worry about whether or not it's good or anyone will even fucking see it. To me, it's sort of like... I don't know, like kind of like the short-term gratification business. Well, like for yourself, what do you see yourself doing in three years comedy-wise? Like what is it well, that ultimate – because you've done so much. Like what is it that you ultimately yeah. want to do? Well, I, I, I'm asking myself, you know, this last special I did was like you know, the last two specials were the best I can do. And, and I talked about everything I can talk about. And because of the nature of my life – it, you know, th these are ongoing conversations. So it's not like I have kids growing up or anything like that. You know, th it is, you know, what it is. And I'm proud of those things. But I don't know. I got to figure out what what the next avenue is for me to talk about on stage. I might direct. I'm trying to option a friend of mine's book. And nice. I might, you know, try to make that into a movie. Um, and, you know, if if something challenging and exciting is offered to me as an actor. I'm I'm curious to to do that, you know, if I get more opportunity in that area. Did you ever think it would go this far? Like when you first came to the comedy store, did you ever think when you got kicked out of the circle? Did yeah. you really ever think it would go like this? Well, I was one of these weird people in that you know I really didn't have the concept of show business, and I really looked at comedy as something you know special and and something beyond selling tickets. I looked to comics. As you know, you know, profound people that were like uh, that had a handle on things that were intelligent. It was like some sort of, uh, you know, in, in divine thing to me. So, like, I never really understood how the business worked, or but eventually you're sort of like, well, I got to get a sitcom and all this other right. shit. And I don't know, I, di I didn't ever see it, you know, because I would go, you know, because Dave would, 
when I was with Dave forever, you know, you were with we would, for a long time. Yeah. You know, we'd have these word opportunities, but I never seemed to get. I don't know. Uh, I I didn't think it would. All I wanted to be was a great comic, and I wanted to get recognition as that. And uh, it kind of went around the side, and it's taken a lot of different ways, but it it, it worked out. What was? But no, uh, I didn't think it would professionally. Work uh, professionally, yeah. The darkest time for you in comedy professionally. What well, was like? I just wasn't making money, and I couldn't sell tickets. Right, so you know when I when I when I went through that that second divorce, and you know I. I all my savings were going away from doing the radio job. And just know, before I started the podcast, just knowing that having done this for our whole life, you know, what the life would look like as, you know, a, a relatively unknown headliner trying to make a living as a stand-up, and, and just really not wanting to do that. Like that, it just sounds horrible. It kills people. I know. It is horrible, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> it just kills your spirit. Oh yeah, it does. Yes, yes. And yes. like I, I didn't, I didn't know how it would pan out, and I didn't, I didn't. There was no default. I never tried to be a writer or anything else. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had enough respect of my peers and shit, but like you know, that was the that was the darkest time. Like, is this what the rest of my life is going to be? And did you ever think about quitting? Well, I didn't. I thought about killing myself before quitting because there's so much pride tied up in this thing it's very hard to quit i mean you got to like literally do a self-imposed witness protection program i know it's true <laughs> like when i quit yeah that i couldn't even i couldn't even look at comedy on tv yeah. like i had to just divorce myself completely from it and yeah. then i'm married to like the biggest comedy manager <laughs> and he'd be like you want to go to this taping fuck no i don't want to go to the tape i oh, hate comedy you yeah, know what i mean yeah, it wasn't yeah, no joy yeah. ride for him either you know like yeah. it was really hard to quit it's just it yeah i I didn't see it as an option because i really couldn't conceive of what i would do yeah but you know i'm I'm just grateful that the cosmic timing that something worked out because like and look i'm not trying being condescending uh, to guys out there just pounding the boards absolutely not to get work yeah but it's it's such a fucking hard life it is and and somehow or another i i got through everything that i've been through with with my soul intact, mm-hmm. that to sort of lose it that way, you know, was just terrifying to me. Yeah. So it was, that was the darkest time. Wow. What about you? The darkest time was probably uh, the time like before I quit, you know, because it was uh, a time when alternative comedy was really coming into uh, favor. Yeah. And I wasn't, it was hard for me to weasel my way, even though I was photographing it. Yeah. I just was a different animal than you guys were. My thing was just so different, you know. Yeah. I just couldn't see. Now I feel like I could do alternative comedy, you know, like it's the mainstream now who but cares? yeah and yeah. it barely exists no yeah. one came out of that movement really if what, you think you don't about think it so like Patton, yeah janine. but he started in clubs they yeah, started in clubs yeah, yeah. we all started yeah. in clubs i mean yeah. you know janine was a club act Patton was a baltimore club act i mean you know it if they i think they gained confidence While in the alternative it, yeah. world yeah but like i was always a straight stand-up guy you know, it was just sort of like, this is an opportunity for me to explore without the confinement right. of expectations yeah. of the road. Yeah. And that, I think a lot of us found our voice that way, but most of us started regular. Yeah. Well, for me, that was a hard yeah. time, you know, because it was, and it was also like, I am 100% a person that wants to experience everything. Yeah. And, uh, 
I just want to experience as much as I can. Yeah. You know, like that's why we're here. Yeah, I know. I got to do more of that. Yeah? yeah. What do you want to experience? Something. I yeah. mean, like, I mean, people tell me that joy is pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> Same old Mark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'll find it. <laughs> You'll okay. find it. Yeah. You'll find it. Yeah. You'll find it. Well, I don't know. I feel like, like, un- sadly, most of what stops me from experiencing things is just, you know, it's just weird anxiety and dread. You know, uh-huh. I'd like to travel and stuff, uh-huh. but a lot, but part of my brain is like, well, what am I going to do when I'm going to when I get there? I mean, what do you do? Do you just walk around? You know what I mean? It, but I think that's easing up a little bit. Like when I go on the road now, I'm more than happy to be on the fucking road. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. Yeah. I don't like being away from my house because I would just worry about bullshit. But, like, I don't like, you know, I like being in hotels and stuff. But, you know, I should go see things. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I got to figure it out. I'll you make will. a list. I'm sure you will. Good talking to you. Thank you, Mark. There you go. There you go. You can check out FeliciaMichaels.net for her comedy dates and check out her podcast, The Liars Club, wherever you get podcasts. And that was a that was a back in the day talk all the way up to the present. Hang out for a minute, people. Okay, look, we've got more stuff on the full Marin this week that you can't hear anywhere else, including exclusive stuff from our guests, like this clip of me and Rachel Weiss talking about Lou Reed. I met Lou when I was in college and I had gone down to a record store where he was signing new sensations and I waited online and I really wanted to ask an important question. And I ended up saying, so what gauge pick do you use, Lou? You know, because I'm a guitar player. Yeah. And he goes, you got to use medium, man. Got to use medium. So I used mediums for a long time because Lou said so. It's a lovely, a lovely story, and I love. Yeah, do you still use mediums? I don't, but I, I have the story. Did you meet him? I did meet him a couple of times in New York. In New York, once yeah. at the um, uh, Coney Island Film Festival. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I think he and Laurie were the king and queen. Like they have every year, there's a little pageant right. in Coney Island, and yeah. they were the Neptune and whatever Mrs. Neptune is. Mm. And someone tried to take his picture, and he was like, we don't do that in New York. He oh, was yeah? just like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Subscribe to the full Marin in the episode description and click on the link to ask me anything. Now I'm going to play some guitar. I'm just experimenting with old 70s rock things that sound familiar but probably aren't quite what you think it is. But I'm learning. I'm going to do some Mixolydian noodling soon. Yeah, it's going to happen.
Boomer lives. Monkey and Levana. Cat angels everywhere. I'm learning some new scales. This is all going to be different soon. <laughs>